All right, welcome to the Bike Pack uh, Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Uh, coming to you today with an interview uh, that has been uh, long in the works. Originally, we were trying to connect with uh, the Bike Packer crew, uh, Lindsay and Neil, to chat about uh, the inaugural Bike Pack Summit, but uh, those two those two are hard to pin down. And I know Neil is uh, busy getting ready for the Iditarod Invitational, which I believe is in February. Um, so we'll, we'll wish him luck and, and hopefully connect with him afterwards. Um, but, uh, even better, we've got, uh, Ryan Draper, uh, from cycling 101 and uh, manager at rebound cycle. And, uh, for those of you that didn't know or don't know, uh, rebound cycle, uh, played host to the bike pack summit and, uh, Ryan was my co-conspirator and, and helped me to arrange many of the details and was a great presenter. Uh, so Ryan will be chatting with me today on uh, the Bike Pack Summit and a whole host of uh, other things, whatever comes to mind. So welcome, Ryan. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. Um, so I was in the store, uh, I believe it was a week or two ago, and uh, there was a guy, a gentleman up uh, from Alabama, and he had he was fully kitted out in, uh, in a fat bike and, and winter clothing, and basically every everything you could need to go on a long winter uh, expedition. And he'd mentioned that you and him had just gotten back from uh, an overnighter or doing some training, and um, it, it it perked my curiosity. I was wondering why why is a guy from Alabama up in Canmore? And uh, maybe even more so, how did he connect with you? And, and what were you guys doing up in the, the Spray Lakes area? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, a number, probably about two months ago, I received an email uh, from, from a gentleman uh, in Alabama who decided he was actually heading up to uh, Alaska to do the... Um, 350 miler uh, for the uh, uh, the, well, the same race that uh, that Neil is going to be uh, to be racing in, and uh, before that he wanted to tackle a few other smaller races, um, uh, 120 uh, in uh, Winnipeg and another 60 or 120 kind of undecided depending on fitness um, in Norway. So he contacted me and. Uh, everything kind of comes, you know, normally filters through Cycling 101 uh, website or, or Facebook or Instagram. And, uh, yeah, he just kind of looked at the a la carte menu of the different offerings that, um, you know, that it, that it put out for people. And, uh, you know, we put together a kind of a custom package for him. He flew up from Alabama with his bike and all of his kit. Uh, I was capable of doing a little bit of research uh, by, you know, kind of, uh, getting permission from him to look at some Facebook photos he had from a little training camp he did actually up in Alaska in uh, this past February um, for the race. And uh, yeah, kind of got some insights, figured out what uh, he really needed to work on, uh, you know, uh, to be successful at what he was, uh, uh, you know, biting off for the winter as far as fat bike racing went. And uh, yeah, he came up and we went and spent uh, probably about a total of 
six, seven hours uh, riding and lots and lots of talking. And uh, currently he is uh, an athlete that I'm, I'm working with uh, at least until the end of February uh, via emails, uh, you know, prescribed training, that type of thing to, uh, to prepare him for, for his endeavors. So did he approach you originally as a coach or did he come to you just by way of, I want to train in Canmore and who is in Canmore uh, to connect with in that regard? Um, you know, originally the email was like an SOS. <laughs> it was like, I've signed up for this event, uh, possibly a few more, and I've got the bike, I've got the gear, and I'm a little bit lost. I see that, you know, you offer everything from, you know, technical riding skills uh, for mountain and fat bike, you know, on snow and ice, uh, coaching, you know, nutritional advice, uh, you know, all kinds of different things. And then a big part of it um, that, that always seems to be a bit of an allure for people is that, um, you know, having the role of general manager here at Rebound Cycle en- enables me to have access to the latest and greatest and updates of products that, um, you know, are, are just, just coming to the market. So, you know, any little, uh, you know, tidbit I could give him, you know, in the gear department was well received as well. You know, kind of thinking about marginal gains, you know, if you can get that latest you know, bike packing bag that weighs, you know, 20 or 30 grams lighter, that means you bring 20 or 30 grams more food with you or emergency supplies. So um, all of those things kind of tend to wrap themselves all around, uh, uh, you know, the, the package of experience, I believe, uh, as opposed to just one kind of entity. Hmm. So d- did he, he come to you with any winter riding? He had, he had a bit of a winter riding experience, you said, right? Yeah, he spent a, a week up in Alaska. He he arrived up there um, right before they do um, a training camp, and uh, his experience up there was was quite interesting because I was asking him some very very pointed questions, which I normally do when I'm on a first date with an athlete. Um, and you know, he was like the people running the the uh, uh, camp up there. You know they're pretty old school, and you know he was talking about you know some some different things that uh, you know oh they don't recommend bringing a bivy. They say just you know throw your throw your sleeping bag in the snow, and uh, they don't believe in uh, oh god what was it a whole, a whole host of of things that they just really truly didn't believe in. But like carrying a handgun was. <laughs> on one of their their uh, top ten lists for things you know to carry, and it was it was just interesting, um, you know, kind of the wild wild west up there, um, if you will. And then coming down here, him and I having some more technical conversations of maybe why you would bring some things and, and why you wouldn't bring others, and uh, those types of things. They, they don't even recommend you carry a GPS or a spot device up there. Um, even if there is whiteouts and stuff. So um, that was the one that kind of got me. I'm like, I know that the people that are back home, the peace of mind they're going to get um, from that, you know, tracking devices is well worth the weight, you know, to carry um, up there, uh, let alone the emergency functions and features. <laughs> so you guys uh, drive up to the Spray Lakes and, uh, you know, it's a whole other world up there <clears throat> with uh, winter now and, I'm I'm curious, you know, I, I've got a lot of people approaching me about coaching and 
you know, I, I appreciate the, the, the question. I, I get where it's coming from. And I think I, I've, I'm starting to send more people your way just because I don't feel like I have the, the coaching mentality. But, um, you know, you, so you're up there with an athlete. Like, like, what are the first questions a guy in that position starts asking you? You know, it, it really varies. Um, you know, like I said, this, this client was really more or less like an SOS call. Um, and for me, those are some of the, you know, some of the funnest, uh, you know, clients to have because they're essentially a blank canvas and they're like, look, I got the stuff, like, give me the straight goods. Like, what am I going to have to do? Um, and a lot of people come in to, you know, stuff like, like bikepacking or, or, or fat biking or racing, you know, something in general and whether it's to be competitive or whether it's just to finish, they come in with like the, this, I don't know, misnomer that there's like, there's the gear part of it. There's like the travel costs that go along with it. And then if you ride your bike a little bit and you show up, like everything should be fine. And when you start breaking things down, um, it, it really kind of opens people's eyes. And I really think about, you know, training as, you know, it's a big picture. It's, it's something that, that will, you know, affect your sleep, your eating habits, your, you know, the way you look at every day, the way that you treat people in your life, the amount of time you get to spend with your friends and family that, you know, I, I really try and, you know, make people aware that, you know, getting involved with something, you know, an endeavor like that big, is going to take up all this other time in your life, you know, that they have to be willing to, to accept that from the start. And then they also need to be accountable. Um, and that's where I think my strength as a coach really comes in. Um, I am the accountability for all of my athletes and, uh, I really don't take a whole lot of excuses. Um, I'm, I'm pretty hard on my athletes that way. Um, and I, I'm, <laughs> I, I guess you could say I've, I've fired more athletes than I've been fired from, <laughs> if, uh, if that makes any sense as far as accountability goes, not performance wise, just accountability. Yeah, no, I totally get it. So do you, do you market yourself as a bike packing coach? Like, is that something people gravitate towards now? You know, I've really never thought of myself as bike packing or fat biking coach. I've, I've always looked at myself as a cycling coach and a cycling coach, you know, that can be someone that wants to uh, do a short mountain bike race. It could be, you know, like a, a short hour and a half event. It could be a stage race. It could be a multi, uh, um, you know, multiple races in a year. It could be a fat bike race. All, all of the different uh, entities of cycling, you know, that I specialize in with kind of the exception of like track cycling or, you know, fixies are kind of the, the outside uh, of the norm stuff. Um, they all have the same real principles where things kind of change up is, you know, typically with gear selection um, and then overall technique for propelling that different style of bike, um, you know, forward. So, you know, the, the way that people would train for, for, uh, for cross racing versus road racing versus mountain and, and fat bike and bike packing, they're all going to have similar components. But the training for me is only about a 10 to 15 percentile, um, you know, component. There's like 85% of all these other things that really need to be looked at. And I, I consider them like the big picture once again and, and, and the marginal gains. 
that athletes can, can get if they just have a level of awareness of what's going on um, in, you know, in the big picture. And when I start breaking stuff down for people like that, they're kind of like, well, you know, it doesn't really work. And I always use myself as the prime example. Um, I was uh, coached from 12 years old as a Nordic ski racer, um, coached until I was about uh, 17, so five years with a coach. When I turned 18, I decided that being coached wasn't for me, um, and I started self-coaching. And as soon as I started self-coaching, I had some major breakthroughs um, in my own uh, performances, mainly because I wasn't doing a generic plan that was set aside for a group. Um, it was me actually having an understanding of what my body was doing, listening to my body, and using some of the you know fairly sophisticated sports science that I was introduced to from a very very young age to um, start putting together you know uh, protocols and, and training that were going to work for myself. And once I started to do that, um, you know, with a, a fairly I would say poor genetic uh, background, uh, family background. I started to realize that if I wanted to get any faster or any better at what I was doing, I was really going to have to dissect things to um, to a point that maybe those who who were around me racing that were more you know physically or genetically gifted, um, you know, things that they wouldn't really think about doing. So I've always really focused in on you know that um, every little component uh, matters. So if, if, if someone's to come to you looking for a, like a bike packing training plan, how would you, you know, off the top of your head, how does that look different than say just a regular, uh, cross country racer? You know, what, a, what other components are you as a coach bringing to the mix? Well, I mean, that, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think, you know, as a coach, you know, you want to make sure that, that people have, you know, really what it, what it takes from the very, very beginning. So, you know, there's a lot of people who look at adventure racing or they look at bike packing or things that are multi-day and they look at it um, and they're interested in it because of this, this mystique, this allure, because it's not quite as popular. So a lot of people think that they can just, you know, you know, do a ride on a Saturday and a Sunday and, you know, sign up for whatever it is that they're after. But the reality is it takes a lot more time commitment, um, you know, than that. So for me, it's always like a level of awareness that I like to bring to, you know, to people when, um, you know, they approach me about, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. You know, is, is it a reality? And I kind of sit them down and go, okay, well, what do you do for a living? You know, what are your expectations of, you know, uh, family and friends and, know, are you married? Are you, you know, single or, you know, we go through a lot of kind of lifestyle stuff first to see if it really fits. And the reason that I do that uh, first and foremost with everyone is because I went through, um, you know, a number of different scenarios and relationships um, in the 17 years that I was racing as a, a professional endurance racer um, where, you know, I, I have friends that have you know, just kind of recently come back into the picture because I was, uh, you know, so, so busy, um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously you have to be somewhat selfish uh, with your time. Uh, I went for almost 15 years without, you know, traveling back to, um, you 
the east to visit family. Uh, just recently took care of that one a couple of years ago. Um, you know, lots of these things really kind of fall into place. So I really make sure that people are, are armed for, you know, the, the level of sacrifice that it takes to, you know, to do um, those types of, of events. Now, if someone's, being, you know, more or less like, you know, I just want to do some bike packing, then I think we, we dissect it a little differently and we look at just their general cycling experience. And then we try and, uh, you know, we, we try and, you know, get them to, to tippy toe into it, start small and dream big and then kind of fill in the gaps as we go. Cool. So you, you mentioned a little bit about your, your, you know, where, where you were coached and your, your, where your endurance roots started, but, um, where did, you know, where, where did that evolve into, uh, you as a mountain biker? And then, you know, where, where along the line did, uh, bike packing come into your consciousness? Um, actually the, so, so yeah, I, I spent about 17 years, um, racing and, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing, like when I was 19 is when I really started going kind of hard in the sport. Um, by the age of 20, I was, um, actually coaching already. So coaching has been a, a really big part of, of my life over the last 18 years. And, um, one of the things that I found as like a, a coach slash, um, racer was that, that there was all these kind of buckets that, that, I, that needed to be filled. And what I mean by that is like, you know, you, you help somebody out, you feel really good. Um, you know, your athletes have success, you feel great about it. You know, you're dealing with problem solving, just very engaged, um, on different levels, so many different levels of so many different things. But as soon as I stopped, um, competitive racing a few years ago, there was this void. And I thought to myself that coaching alone was going to fill that void. And I think for the first little bit, it did. Um, but then being a racer yourself and immersing yourself with racers as a coach, you always have that like, oh man, if I was here and if I could, you know, the, all the what ifs, if you were still training hard, you know, could I be still, you know, in the mix? And so what I found with, with bike packing was that it actually has allowed me to fulfill a sense of, uh, adventure and, um, I guess utilize a lot of the skill sets that I had as a racer. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty OCD when it comes time to gear prep and, you know, my nutrition and bike setup and, you know, everything has to be perfect. You know, every T crossed and, and I dotted and bikepacking was kind of that, like, Hmm, I can get out and do something epic as epic as I want. I can, you know, go through all the gear and, you know, have the bike all tuned and dialed. Um, and at the same time, I can do a whole bunch of like product testing for different companies and I can you know, try and get other people to come out with me. And it would just was something that really fit, um, you know, the, the bill for taking over all of those different parts of the brain that, that I need to have satisfied, um, as a racer. And then it kind of all came full circle because, with bike packing and, and the whole fat biking thing. Um, last year I actually jumped into a few, uh, races, uh, and, and, uh, and did rather well. And I think a lot of it's attributed to the amount of time I've spent pushing big, heavy bikes, um, in the back country for several days, um, at a time. 
And uh, this coming January, only I guess about eight or so weeks away, I'll be uh, immersing myself back into uh, stage racing back in uh, in South America and Chile. And I've got a whole different mindset of what the race is going to be. It's not like it's going to be a, a another job for me like it was before. It's actually going to be like uh, it's going to be a lot of fun just because of the fitness and stuff that I've gained from. Uh, the bike packing end of things. <laughs> you just reminded me of a story. So what you didn't, what you kind of touched on, but didn't really elaborate, was um, that you rode the the golden two four twenty four hour race, so the new race, uh, just west of us here uh, in f- a full bike pack kit. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I had this. Um, I've had this kind of reoccurring dream uh, before. Before the Golden Twenty Four Hour Race, I'd actually raced in twenty four twenty four hour solo mountain bike races um, all through Canada, the U.S. Um, over uh, you know to, from starting at about like ni- at ninety in nineteen ninety nine through till about I don't know twenty ten or so, um, and uh, I was like, it would be really really cool if I could like you know show up at this race and like not have to rely on anyone for support. And this really stems from the fact that my wife uh, just, she's kind of over the whole 24 hour race support thing after doing so many of them. And I didn't want to inconvenience her with having to, you know, stand out in the cold and rain and all, you know, whatever conditions were going to transpire for a prolonged period of time. Uh, anymore. So I was like, well, what if I just took my bike and I put my bike pack and bike bag on and then I like figured out how much food I needed to bring and what spare parts and what clothes. So it's what I did. She dropped me off at the start line. She said, good luck and kind of juggled. <laughs> and then uh, I set off on the, uh, on the course for, the, for their, their first ever 24 hour there. Um, the same race organizers from Trans Rockies and Rumble's Revenge and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I knew the race organizers rather well. Um, and everything was, was going, uh, you know, according to plan, uh, except Mother Nature didn't, uh, didn't cooperate all that well. After about two hours of riding, um, it just started pouring rain and it did so, uh, got pretty much the whole time. So after about, uh, uh, 13 hours of riding and uh, 11 of it being in rain and uh, mud. Uh, I had to um, I had to pull the pin on the whole operation just because my 47 pound bike fully loaded when it went through the last like quarter of the course and got caked with mud was weighing probably somewhere closer to like 70 pounds because <laughs> <laughs> the mud was so thick. So uh, made the call. Um, I had to go. A week later, I had to fly up to Whitehorse to um, uh, uh, run support and coach uh, two of my athletes up there that were riding in the 24 hours of light. So I had to really, you know, just uh, make that call. Um, if I was a few years younger, I probably would have just pushed on and uh, probably destroyed my bike or, or myself. But uh, being a little bit, uh, a little bit older and wiser, I, I knew that. You know, at some point I was going to become a liability to the race organizers considering I was soaked to the bone and getting pretty close to hypothermia. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine you were the only one out there with that kind of kit. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely safe to say um, that I, I was the only one uh, out there like that. <laughs> 
So you're, you're, you mentioned you're the general manager at Rebound and, you know, I, I didn't initially connect with you just because, you know, you're down the street and, uh, you know, you're, you're one of the few shops in town. Like Rebound has kind of a special significance in the bikepacking world as far as its place in the Rockies and its uh, proximity to, to Banff. Um, maybe, maybe can you tell us a little bit about, um, what you've seen as far as, um, you know, the store's relevance and you guys getting more involved with bikepacking just, just because of, uh, you know, your connection with, uh, tour divide riders. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's an easy one. Um, so a number, I guess it would be probably about six years ago, we were in Las Vegas and, um, you know, we saw these big old fat bikes on the, on the floor. Uh, it was the first year that salsa had really gone big with their, their fat bike uh, fleets kind of mass production. <clears throat> and we're like, man, we really got to jump on this. Like we, we think that this could be amazing. Uh, where we live. So we started up a salsa account. We we're actually the last salsa account that they would open up in Canada without like massive scrutiny and without one having to close and open kind of thing. So anyways, we, we get in on the ground floor with salsa and then we slowly but surely start like exploring some of the, the things that salsa is doing. And uh, we kind of draw the line between this, you know, this, this race that happens every year in Banff and you know, locally crazy Larry, you know, makes, you know, the, all kinds of noise about it and stuff. And we're just like, man, what, you know, what really is this? So um, every year around the, the, the week leading up to the event, we just get more and more and more people kind of coming into the shop with, you know, bikepacking gear. And, you know, it was pretty primitive, you, you know, uh, even five or six years ago, like the, the way people were setting themselves up, um, you know, to, uh, to do the device. And so, you know, we, we really started to embrace it. Um, and then just a couple of years ago, we started bringing in more and more stuff like that we knew the riders were after. Like we would research, okay, well, you know, the certain continental uh, tire, you know, was the, the tire of choice because, you know, someone had used it along the way and had success. So we made sure we had the, the continental, like the Race King or something, 2.2s were like the, you know, the, the tire everyone had to have. So we made sure we had those. We made sure we had... Um, you know, as big a seat bag as we could find. And, you know, we, we couldn't source any type of frame bags or anything um, yet. But we were we were doing our best, and, and we knew we were going to need to do on-demand service and bike builds and stuff uh, for a lot of these riders, and, and we really did. Um, and then more recently, um, I guess this wouldn't be this past year, but the year prior, um, a young lady uh, actually showed up in the shop and, you know, probably about five foot eight, five foot nine, super wiry. And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm from Alaska. And, you know, I, I have to get this, you know, this, this bike, you know, fixed up and ready to go. She's like, I've got a really bad cold and I'm about to, you know, to race the divide here. And, you know, we're all kind of looking, we're like, man, no, no, no store, uh, body fat stores on her. She's sick and her bike isn't working properly. We're like, man, we're going to see her in like two days, probably back in town you know, sipping soup coming out of the ER or something. And uh, lo and behold, it was uh, Lil Wilcox who actually came uh, through here on her first attempt at the divide and, uh, and had us, uh, you know, redo her drivetrain and the whole bit on her bike. And, you know, when she left, we were, we were more scared for her and we thought like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen to her. So we started following her inadvertently 
um, just because we were worried about her and uh, we watched her progress and watched her just absolutely smash um, <laughs> the, the, the whole divide. And then she showed up about a month after that and she's like, Hey guys, I'm back. I'm going to do it again. I'm not sick this time. And <laughs> so uh, that was kind of our, our, uh, you know, inter- introduction into to Lil. And now she, uh, she uses us as her, as a pit stop and she's given us some, some very nice props and, and stuff, uh, you know, in social media and her blog, um, you know, about, uh, taking the time to get her going and, and to be, uh, you know, for us to be as, uh, as worried as we were about her, uh, which obviously we had no worries to, uh, to worry about. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of getting or smashing the tour divide, I, I was one of the fortunate individuals that had her pass me just ever so slowly, but at a very consistent pace. And, uh, you know, as I moped away in a ditch and, uh, <laughs> the history is hers. Uh, so that, that's cool. So how, like, how does, you know, like there's not a ton of shops locally. Like there's a few, there's, um, you know, a handful in Banff, I think there's a handful in Canmore. Like why does someone like Lil centering on rebound like where does that connection start um you know that's you know that's a that's a a good question i mean i know that you know when a lot of the riders tend to come in you know i always like to engage with them i like to see what they're riding i like to see why they've chosen certain things um and i always ask i'm like you know how did you um how did you find us? And a lot of times it's to do with the industry uh, brands that we carry. So, you know, for us, like a big one this year, we had a lot of people show up because they're like, Oh, you guys have Revelate bags. Okay. I got to come in. I got to see this. I got to see that. Um, I had a gentleman from Switzerland who uh, got, got a hold of us because of uh, we're a salsa dealer, uh, purchased two salsa bikes. We built up a dyno hub for him um, for his tour divide attempt. And so I think that there's a lot of what happens kind of, you know, the bikepacking community is really small um, and the chatter within, you know, I think has just kind of been that, hey, if you guys, you know, need help, like go to this shop, they drop everything for you. They know that we're on a time crunch, Um, you know, they have bags, they've got a lot of nutrition, kind of, we've positioned ourselves as a one-stop shop and the other one that, that people kind of talk about is that because of like the race leaves, I think at like nine or nine thirty on like a, what day of the week would that be like a Friday? Yeah, it's the second, um, second Friday every June. And it's usually, yeah. usually around eight. I think that it takes off for around eight. I know that it's earlier than when we open and there's a lot of like last minute people that arrive into Banff and uh, our vending machine has actually seen some, some action, you know, at like four and 5 a.m. Uh, right up until the start time and, uh, you know, people grabbing nutrition, interviews, water bottles, things that they've, you know, totally overlooked in their packing. And then they ride the legacy trail into Banff and, and they, uh, they start up the divide. So I think it's a combination of a, a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I've always been, uh, kind of a tour divide follower in some way, shape or form. And I think I've brought a little bit of that kind of culture, um, into the store, uh, you know, as far as our, our staff's concerned, like I'm pretty much the only one that loads up a bike and goes and stays in the back country for a few days. And, you know, it finds that enjoyable. Everyone else is pretty, you know, loves their hot shower and their, uh, 
you know, uh, the creature comforts of home. So I think that because of my interest in it, it's been a little bit contagious. Um, a lot of my staff are very engaging now as far as that's concerned. Whereas before it was kind of like, who are these crackers, <laughs> you know, that are, that are going off. But uh, it, it, I think it's one of those things, you, you know, as a shop, you, you have to warm up to it and um, understand it a little bit more before you can identify and before you can be there in, in that supporting role. I'm just thinking you, you were talking about salsa and um, them them being quite particular about the counts they set up in Canada. And, you know, I have a bit of an understanding of the inner workings and, uh, you know, in full transparency, transparency salsa was uh, a sponsor of the, the bike pack summit there. But I, I'm still kind of curious, like there's, there's Calgary cycle, I believe. And then you guys and there's maybe what, like a few other dealers in all of Canada? Like why, why would, you know, if you're in their position, why, why limit themselves? Well, I, I think that the, the, um, the, the understanding, you know, in the bike industry is that, you know, it's better to have fewer dealers that are healthy than a whole bunch of dealers that are struggling. And, you know, other major companies like Trek and Giants and, you know, Gary Fisher, Specialized, there's been a whole lot of guys who are just like, let's open one up on every corner. Um, kind of like the Tim Hortons or the Starbucks kind of mentality. And you know, to be quite honest, it, it doesn't work in the bike industry. Um, because what ends up happening with proximity is you, you then end up having, you know, consumers that want to go back and forth between, you know, two shops playing the price game. And I think they've figured out a really good formula as far as distance and proximity between shops to create healthy, uh, you know, retailers. It, you know, Salsa is owned by, by QBP. QBP is a, a Midwestern, um, you know, based company. They are very, very conservative. And, and one of the examples I'll use is that um, when they went uh, full-on production with their fat bikes, you know, in the infancy of it all, the supply was low and the demand was high. And we would have our phone ringing off the hook and our emails going crazy because people wanted these salsa fat bikes because they were the only ones you could get a hold of. And my question to them was, hey, why don't you guys make more and sell more? And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're like, we make a whole bunch more and we saturate our own market. All of a sudden, there's going to be bike sitting and then all of a sudden there's going to be sales. And then all of a sudden you're not going to make as much money. And I thought about it and I'm like, wow, you guys are absolutely right. You know, we live right now in a day and age where supply and demand is always so lopsided. Um, it, it starts off that the supply is too low and the demand is, is, is really high. And then there's this tipping point where the supply becomes ridiculous and then the demand tends to drop off at the same time. And then you end up with a whole bunch of, you know, uh, manufacturers that thought they were getting, you know, a big piece of this pie that are just fighting for, you know, one and 2%, you know, margin stakes in, you know, in, in a category. And so, you know, I really think that, you know, companies like Rebel 8 and uh, Apidura and, and, you know, some of the bag companies uh, porcelain rockets. Those guys are in some amazing positions right now because as far as the economics goes, the supply is still super low and the demand is really high. And, you know, if it can stay like that for a while, it benefits everybody because everyone makes, 
their money. They're not giving their product away, and then the retailers aren't either. I have not discounted any bike packing gear that has left this store in the last three years because the supply and demand just haven't kind of met up. Uh, speaking speaking of prices, uh, I was just reminded uh, the first time we met, um, well, face to face, anyways, was uh, during the Alberta Rockies uh, 700 uh, earlier in the summer, and uh, came through town. Um, so the last leg of the race, um, in just kind of just a little bit back from first, and my bike was uh, in in rough shape, and I remember I. I was in a desperate situation and texting everyone I knew and texted you and you kind of woke up and came to the shop early and, and, uh, got to work right on the bike. And, uh, I remember, uh, when I was leaving, uh, I said to Sarah, who happened to be there, I said, just, you know, pay him whatever he wants. Uh, I wasn't asking for, for a deal, which is, which is funny that you say that. Cause normally when I'm in a bike shop, all you ever hear is someone asking, you know, what discount can you give me? But, uh, yeah, bike packers might be a different kind of breed, you know, maybe out of desperation and uh, maybe out of uh, out of respect. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 interesting to learn more about uh, the the industry side of things. And, um, you know, you guys being in a unique position where you are for now, not only the Tour Divide, but uh, the Alberta Rockies and you being, you know, a, a, a guy that's becoming an expert, it's it's kind of it's cool to be on the sidelines or being a part of that scene and, and being in a town that's uh, so supportive of that. So why don't we um, why don't we move on to the, the summit, the, the original uh, point of the conversation? Um, so the summit we had in October, um, we had about uh, I think it was just under here under thirty people attend from Alberta, BC, um, and way across um all the way on the east coast and a few people up from the u.s and uh so all together we had about 40 to sometimes 50 people a day depending on locals and sponsors and speakers that were in attendance and uh it was a first for me and it's first for you ryan and uh, you know i remembered so we we had that first face-to-face uh on the alberta rockies and you got me going and fortunately i was able to finish and then a few weeks later we were I think how it started, I came to you originally with the idea of hosting it in Banff and then Rebound somehow being involved with bike rentals and you started talking about doing an overnighter component. Um, And then uh, through some conversations with Salsa, um, we kind of had the the revelation, if you will, that um, it should be in Canmore and you offered host at the Adventure Center. Um, so is that, does that sound right? Is that how it came together? Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that definitely sounds, sounds about right. I mean, you know, when I, whenever I think about ideas, um, you know, because I've been the general manager here for 15 years, um, and I've had zero marketing budget over the last 15 years to do anything. I am always thinking like a little outside the box on like, how can we do stuff and get people engaged and get like a, a really positive return for, for next to nothing. And so a lot of what I was really trying to do is kind of link up like bike Canada and then salsa and then the rental bikes. And it just kind of became this <clears throat> I think conversation that we were having about like, you know, two like-minded people going, yeah, we just want to get people together. Like it doesn't have to be like polished. It doesn't have to be like in a hotel. It's like, these are people who are probably used to roughing it. 
you know, let's let's just see like what we can pull together on, you know, essentially uh, a shoestring budget, you know, of, of just you know entry entry fee money alone. And um, you know, I think that some of the co- the comments that we got from some of the participants was that you know we we kind of nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I, it's one of those few things in in life where. Um... You know, I, I never expected to make any money, and I don't think you necessarily did either. I, we we broke even; we, like there was a few bucks in there, but the two of us were just uh, and and Sarah and and Tyson, um, you know, behind the scenes again at Rebound. I think we were all just just you know really pleasantly surprised and, and more humbled and, and blown away by uh, the feedback we got and just the the aura that that was created. You know, I, I'm thinking back a little bit as to the the reason and you know there there's there's the the wanting to get a group of people together and then i think you know looking a bit beyond that you know what what what's going on in the the bike packing world that 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 didn't already exist so you know you have events sprouting up all over the place um in canada well and more so in the u.s but uh, now in western canada you have um, you have websites and Facebook groups popping up all over the place for, for better or for worse, um, with all varying degrees of, uh, content and, um, connection. Um, but the one thing that was really kind of missing was a, a time where we could all just kind of get together in a social sense and, and sit down, not necessarily having to be on a bike, like in an event. And so the, the summit idea I think emerged as kind of an obvious, uh, you know, niche and, and possible need to fill. And, um, you know, right away, we, I remember saying that we thought it would be great if we had, I don't know, like 30 or 40 people out. And I think you and I both had a pretty good idea of who those people were. And, uh, when the call went out, I think almost all those people exactly, uh, as we thought signed up and, uh, that was the group we had. And, um, you know, we were all, we were all relative strangers, uh, when it started, um, we'd had, you know, the odd Facebook connection here and there, but, uh, by the end of it, it was, you know, I, I think if I was to sum up, you know, the highlight for me, uh, something I mentioned to you, you know, to have, you know, grown men and adults, like almost on the verge of tears, like just having experienced something so profound, um, I think that that was that was the big highlight for me. Like Ryan, if you were to break down, um, you know, maybe your top highlights. What what else comes to mind from the summit? Oh man, there's there there's so many um, so many highlights. Uh, you know, but you know, for me was I I think it, it was just seeing how engaged people were. I mean you know, we structured the summit around, you know, a breakfast and, and physical activity in the morning with group ride each day, and, um, you know, and then some, some seminars. And it was interesting to see how attentive people were. I mean, I've been to workshops and seminars, you know, probably, you know, two or three a year for the last 15 years um, on different topics. And, and it was amazing. It was almost eerie. I, I was, you know, during my own presentations, I was almost like, am I boring the living daylights out of these people? Or are they just so attentive that I can hear them hear a pin drop? And and I think it was the latter. It was like everyone was just so engaged and people were scribbling notes and there was people that had laptops that were taking notes. And it was just really, I think it was flattering in a lot of ways that people were, were getting so many takeaways 
um, from the, pre pre uh, the presentations, the presenters, um, and also from each other, seeing them, like every person, uh, um, you know, meeting up with someone else who's new, and then they start engaging. You know, like I said, I wish every single person was wearing a GoPro, you know, for the entire duration on their head, and every time they had a conversation with someone, you know, it could be captured, and we could you know, capture all of those conversations because I think we hit the tip of the iceberg with what we were presenting. And I think there was some in-depth and profound conversations and, and shares that were going on that we don't even know about, um, but that were just in between participants. And, and I thought that, that, if, that if we were capable of creating an environment that was conducive to that, that was like the ultimate flattery and ultimate compliment that, that we could possibly take away. Yeah, that's a, that's a good summary. And uh, going into a bit more detail, so for those that, that, that weren't there, you know, Ryan mentioned that we had uh, the seminars and we had uh, the daily rides and uh, lunches and a dinner and uh, some social opportunities. Uh, you know, just breaking down a few more of the, the seminar points, we, we had uh, a talk uh, from Megan on uh, bikepacking with the family. So some of the ins and outs of, um, you know, considerations for, for going out uh, into the backcountry with the uh, young kids and how to keep them motivated and interested. And, um, you know, that turned out to be one of the mo most engaging talks that no one really even realized they wanted to hear. Um, you had yourself uh, doing backcountry mechanics, you know, some things to, to consider as far as what to bring, um, you know, the basic fixes uh, that you probably should know. Um, you had special guests, uh, Neil and Lindsay from Bikepacker, who, you know, for one, there was the novelty of, uh, you know, who they are and what they've done. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was interesting um, to see inside their bag. So they, they did a demo on, um, you know, what they carry on a trip. Um, so, you know, the, Neil being a guy that set the, the record for the Arizona Trail and uh, Colorado Trail and, uh, you know, a host of other events. So, uh, you know, seeing what's in his bags. And um, you had uh, my friend uh, Josh uh, Kato up um, from the U.S. also. And, you know, this Tour Divide winner who, <laughs> who you know, the ongoing joke is that he'd be like the last guy to like come right out and say, you know, I won the Tour Divide and look at me. Um, you know, I had to kind of toot his horn a little bit. Uh, so getting to hear from him on, um, you know, what what makes his uh, salsa cutthroat bike uh, an ideal uh, bike packing rig for the for the tour divide and uh what else we had tim from patagonia talking about layering um <laughs> i i briefly touched on fueling which went f quickly from a discussion on uh hammer nutrition to um you know what if, if you have three minutes to race into a convenience store um what deep fried food are you going for first and uh yeah so it was it was quite a, a diverse range um you know, with not really knowing the group beforehand, it was, I, I, I think the program, we kind of just made it up and hoped people would be interested in it. Um, and to some degree, I, I think I mentioned to you or to Sarah, I was saying, you know, it almost feels like we're, we're at that stage where it's like, um, um, you know, Steve Jobs with the iPhone, like people don't even know what they want. Like you have to kind of, create a vision and, uh, you know, bring them into it. And, you know, people know what bikepacking is, but this are, it's still very new to them as far as where it's going to go. Um, so there was, there was those helpful discussions. And then, uh, the panel, um, also on the future of bikepacking, I think laid, laid the groundwork. Any, any other, 
you know, seminar, seminar stick out to you, Ryan? Well, the other one that I did on, like, that I followed up with Josh, um, where I was, you know, just kind of showed a number of different bikes, um, that, you know, mountain bike versus, you know, drop bar bike versus fat bike versus 650 plus, you know, the, the idea behind that kind of goes back to the comment you just made, you know, we're not, you know, it's, bike packing has no rules yet. Right. So it's not like a road bike where like, I want to, I want to ride a road bike. So you get it's aluminum or it's carbon, you know, is it men's, is it women's, it does it fit, does it not? And, and that's pretty much, you know, what you need to get into road cycling. Whereas bike packing, there's no rules yet. And I think that it's a really fun sport to be part of because there are some people that solely bike pack on fat bikes. There are some that solely use a rigid, you know, fully rigid single speed belt drive mountain bike. Um, and, you know, my whole thing with, you know, conversations I have with customers who are like, oh man, this bike packing thing looks super cool. What bike do I need? What bags do I need? And I kind of stop them dead in their tracks and I go, you know what? There's no right or wrong way. There's just consequences. And what I really mean by that is that you can do it by fat bike, but you'll be going a bit slower. Um, you can do it on a regular mountain bike, but, you know, it may not be all that great in sand or snow or, you know, different, um, you know, climates. So I really challenge people to, to figure out what their first few, um, you know, adventures might be and then try and guide them lightly into one direction or another or, or give them advice on which bike types or bags or, or whatever might be the most versatile uh, long term for what they're after. And I think that's just the, the fun part of it, right? Um, there's, there's so many unknowns. There's no rules. It's just like, you know, people are so engaged. Yeah. So we, we, we chatted about the, the highlights and, um, you know, which, which there are many. And, uh, you know, as you do with these sorts of events, you, you ask for a bit of feedback on, uh, constructive feedback on how to improve things. And so the wheels are always, are already in motion for, uh, round two. So we've planned the, the second annual, uh, bike pack summit for, um, September. So moved it back a month. You know, one of the feedback was that it was a little chilly, uh, which, you know, it was no surprise. I didn't need someone to email me that, but, uh, so a little chilly. So we're, Moving it back to uh, September, take advantage of the the fall warmer temperatures and you know the 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 tremendous yellow colors that you get uh, throughout the trees in the Bow Valley. Um, moving it to uh, an indoor uh, setting at the, the Opera House, uh, you know, just down the street really from uh, Rebound, but still very much involving uh, Rebound and the, the the daily rides and. Um, what else uh, were, were takeaways uh, from your end, Ryan, that you'd you'd like to bring to the the second annual summit? Oh, I, you know, I think that having you know guest speakers, you know, is is so imperative to what we're doing. You know, uh, I learned a lot about the Arizona Trail Race. Um, you know, a lot about you know the the divide. I also learned a lot of little tricks. Um, you know, about the whole, uh, I know Neil's, uh, you know, cut off rain pants. That was like a huge hit. Um, you know, lots of, lots of, uh, you know, tips and things. So I, I think, you know, guest speakers really kind of cool would, would be really neat. Um, I think that maybe, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at, um, you know, 
a segment on how to get your friends involved or, you know, try and figure out ways to, to get that newcomer into the, the sport and have them absorb a whole bunch of this information, almost like a little crash course. So uh, really looking forward to seeing some of the same faces as last year, but them bringing a friend um, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the, you know, we really went through kind of the lightweight bike packing kind of aspect. I think, you know, the, the next, step is maybe that like longer, you know, week or two week long, uh, you know, bike pack trip that's less conducive to gas stations and food pickups, um, you know, and, and starting to look at stuff like uh, backcountry cuisine, um, you know, uh, maybe bike packing with, uh, with, with man's best friend. I mean, I'd love to know if someone's out there doing that and wants to, you know, uh, you know, speak for us uh, on on doing that. I think that would be super cool. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just stoked that, uh, that that 2016 went off and and 2017, you know, feels like it's just right around the corner. Yeah, I've had the odd person that says, "Oh, you know, we don't have to think too much of it. It's still, you know, ten months or whatever away." I'm like, you know what? It's it's going to come up surprisingly quick, and I'd actually be surprised if this thing doesn't sell out. Um, you know, pretty early on in the new year. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be some special announcements coming down the pipeline. Um, hoping to have, uh, Josh and Neil Lindsay back up. They've, they've expressed interest for sure. Uh, just a matter of whether it fits with their schedule. Um, I've also been chatting with, uh, Mike Dion, um, who's, um, uh, was the guy behind uh, the Ride the Divide movie that pretty much got everyone into bikepacking, uh, focusing on that first Tour Divide race. So chatting with him about coming up to share some, maybe some some footage no one's seen from that movie, and uh, also um, uh, sharing some stories, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and just trying to get a perspective on, um, you know, like, I don't think... It, Mike's kind of viewed as like this hardcore bike packer, but I think what a lot of us forget is that like he, you know, the scene owes a lot to what he did. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear his thoughts on how it's evolved and, um, you know, how, what opportunities have come his way from being the guy behind uh, Ride the Divide. So hopefully get him up and then uh, we'll start announcing uh, new seminars uh, early in the new year. And like I said, I, I think this thing will, will fill up uh, pretty quickly. Um, a lot of return guests, and and uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, hopefully uh, the bring a friend component, and uh, you know finding those seminars uh, that we didn't touch on before, and the long the you know the more touring form of bike packing, and then the big question I think one of my big learning um, points from from the summit this year was, you know when when someone asks me where to to go for bike packing, I say well you can go anywhere you know, like pull up Google Maps and, you know, pull up uh, trail systems and, and, and make your own and make your own trail. And, and, you know, to someone like myself, who's been doing this for a while and has quite a bit of experience, like, it just seems so obvious. But what I really saw at the summit was, you can put that out there. But the question you still get back is, yeah, but where? So really going into more detail about specific um, routes and, and, and more, uh, you know, top of mind would be starter routes, uh, for people, those two to five day, uh, options, I think. So getting more into specific detail on routes, uh, I think would be something that, uh, the group would want to hear. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, you mentioned the cooking and one of the fun ideas is, you know, we, you and I were always looking for creative ways to keep people engaged. And, um, you know, both of us have been at enough conferences that even cycling conferences that are just like, uh, downright boring and like we have a hard time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> staying awake. So, you know, how do you make a, 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 a cuisine talk interesting? And, you know, you, you had the idea of, um, doing like a little food challenge where you, you put everyone in groups and, uh, everyone has to come up with, um, you know, a creative meal with, uh, you know, a set amount of ingredients or, or that sort of thing. So, uh, we'll definitely be looking at new seminars, but, uh, different ways, uh, to uh, present. And, uh, I think the opera house is going to be great venue for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ryan, this has been an awesome chat. I think, you know, the, the only other question that's probably on top of people's minds is, you know, what's what's next for you? You mentioned briefly you've got a race coming up in the, the next few weeks or next month. Yeah, in uh, yeah, so I'll be I'll be training my my butt off uh, for the next uh, next number of weeks here. Uh, January 18th, I'll be flying down to uh to Chile to race the Trans Andes Challenge. Um, got a great opportunity. It was a bucket list thing. Uh, kind of pulled me out of retirement, and uh, I've been, been kind of training uh, fairly hard uh, since uh, about uh, late June. So kind of feeling like I'm coming into uh, to form with um, with that. So I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, but just before that, I'll be uh, traveling to Arizona. I've got an athlete that's going to be uh, doing uh, a dust till dawn, a 12-hour mountain bike event. So I'll be down there uh, pre-riding course with him, running support and coaching. Um, and then just a whole bunch of other uh, events with uh, with some of my athletes and, and uh, a couple of you know, localized fat bike races that I'll uh, be participating in. Um, and uh, lots and lots more events adventures uh primarily right now it's it's fat bike and kind of winter camping uh that i'm that i'm indulging in and uh yeah just uh hope to see other people uh, out there on the trails all this winter and uh if if anyone wants to get in touch with you is it is it is it through rebound is it cycling 101 what's the what's the easiest way to get a hold of you these days well, uh, I can be met in person uh, at Rebound Cycle uh, almost any day, uh, and then uh, I can also be reached through my website, uh, cycling-101.com or uh, info at reboundcycle.com. I can be reached as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty touchable, uh, even on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, the whole the whole nine. So uh, yeah, just look me up, and uh, yeah, we can we can talk. All right, excellent. Well, I look forward to getting back to the the weekly uh, summit chats and uh, finding new partners and figuring out those seminars and uh, putting those pieces uh, into place here pretty soon. Uh, cool, Ryan. Well, ha- have a great weekend and uh, thank you very much again for for coming on the the podcast here. Oh, thank you very much, Ryan. It was a pleasure. All right, cheers. Later.